0: Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. We'll be with you in a moment after a brief word from our sponsor.
1: Regardless of party or political labels, there are amazing examples of real-life success stories happening across America. Local leaders are showing how to solve problems in health care, education, and other issues Washington just can't fix. Experience those stories in the new book, Falling in Love with America Again, by Jim DeMint and the Heritage Foundation. Get it today at inlovewithamerica.com. That's inlovewithamerica.com. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. Here to wrap up an amazing week in Washington and across America is Bill Kristol with the Weekly Standard. Bill, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing fine, Michael. How are you?
1: Better than President Obama. Uh, I had to actually force my non-Republican friends to go watch the video of the President saying, on purpose and out loud, Obamacare is working like it should at this point. I, they they literally could not believe me. And I'm using literally the way Joe Biden tries to use it. They literally could not believe me, Bill, that the president at this point this week would say it's working like it should.
0: Right. Just when studies come out, I think showing that, what, nine out of ten people in the exchanges uh, had previous insurance, had, had insurance already. Mm-hmm. So we're churning people to insurance they often want less and often have to pay more for recovering almost no. I mean, really, an incredibly small number of new people. Disrupting the whole, uh, spending a lot of money, disrupting everyone's health insurance. Um, it's really uh, damaging doctors. I mean, damaging hospitals. It's really an unbelievable feat. Obamacare. Uh, it keeps getting worse. Honestly, I think both the studies and the public opinion polls. The uh, studies show it's not doing well. The public opinion polls show the public correctly understands this. My main fear is that Republican consultants. I've seen a little bit of this this week. They're all. They're always overthinking everything. You know, and being so clever. And so a couple this week have been saying, well, so you can't just run on Obamacare. You know, it has to be part of a, uh, that's too simple, and you've got to throw in a lot of other things. <laughs> I don't know if I were running for office against someone who voted for Obamacare, and especially someone who might have then voted to keep it and to prevent people from keeping their insurance if they liked it, which an amazing number of vulnerable Democratic congressmen did this week. Um, I would just keep hammering away on it.
1: Yeah, and you also have the news that the president is delaying it yet again and delaying it for two years. And so my question for people who support it is, if it's so good, why would you delay it? Is your answer, it's just too good for us? It's like, you know, a rich dessert. You can only have one bite at a time. You don't want us to get Obamacare brain freeze from this delectable dessert?
0: Yeah, that's good, yeah. And it really means, I think, Republicans in the the House, which they control, and it's not where they can try to force votes at least, need to keep pushing to repeal, delay, uh, defund and, in every way they can, get rid of parts of Obamacare. I mean, it, there's a certain complacency that's settled in. I mentioned before some of the consultants are sort of not shying away, but are, are overthinking sort of Obamacare, being too complex in the message. Others are sort of thinking, well, we've, you know, repealed it 43 times already, we voted to repeal it 43 times in the House, the media make fun of us, we shouldn't keep voting on it. I think that's totally wrong. You've got to keep that front and center. Voters need to go to the polls in November thinking, you know what, if we elect a Republican Senate, if we send some more Republicans to the House, there's a real chance this thing gets totally stopped in its tracks for two years. And then repealed. I mean, voters are pretty skeptical that individual senators or congressmen can make that much difference. I had this argument with someone running for Congress earlier this week who was saying, Well, I think the economy is at the top of people's (laughs) minds. Well, sure, but I said to this congressional candidate, Do people really think you, as a freshman congressman, is going to change the economy one way or another? No. They might think that you, as a freshman congressman, adding to the number of Republicans in the House, could put enough pressure on the president and could increase the majorities in the House and obviously Republican senators would make a huge difference, and actually stop Obamacare dead in its tracks. So uh, that's the one concrete thing, or the main concrete thing, that Republicans can do for the next two years. And I just think, especially when you're running against an incumbent who voted for it, just that's the simple message. This guy, uh, uh, you know, burdened you with Obamacare. He's He's making it impossible to get rid of Obamacare. You send me there, we'll begin the process of getting rid of it, and then, of course, replacing it with a better alternative.
1: Uh, the other big story of the day is uh, Ukraine understanding that when President Obama in office, if you like your Crimea, you can keep your Crimea. And I love the fact that the president has stomped his feet and announced we're going to have very serious visa con- restrictions and maybe some sanctions if you let the Crimeans cast the ballot to decide if they want to be part of Russia. No doubt they are cowering in their Cossack boots out in that part of the uh, – Of the uh, of the former Soviet Union,
0: you know, I think the president's moved a little bit in the right direction. But as you say, I mean, how much credibility does he have if he really follows through on a lot of these things and gets tough? People like me will support him while urging him to do probably still more. And but uh, I love the way the Democrats are trying to make it sort of unpatriotic to criticize the last five years of President Obama's foreign policy. (laughs) They, of course, held back when uh, on Iraq and you know, in, in 2006, 2007, 2008. And people like me, I think, are making clear. And I think Senator Rubio and uh, Congressman Cantor, people who've been on the forefront of discussing Ukraine, are making clear that they want the president to do the right thing here. I think we're still allowed to point to the effects of the last five years. And I do think Ukraine. This has been a big moment. I think. I mean, it's you know a lot of things have gone badly in the world over the last few years, but this was kind of one of those moments following on the announcement of cuts in the defense budget and the army going down to the size it was in 1940, and so forth where i think a lot of americans who you know hadn't been following things too closely it was kind of confusing looked up and said gee i mean this really looks like things are spinning out of control which they are and i think the other way which is will have a big effect is hillary clinton she was secretary of state for four years you know and she was one of the main architects of the reset policy with russia and there are those, those photos and the yes. video of her you know uh, playfully and happily giving the reset button to the russian foreign minister and I think she knows it's a problem. It's why she pivoted, over pivoted this week, and reset her own uh, understanding of Putin and just compared him to Hitler, and which is ridiculous in its own way. <laughs> so she looks like she's flailing around. It reminds it reminds people that it's not clear how good a candidate she'll be. You know, she's she, she. It's not clear that she's so steady and that everything she does is so well calculated. And I think she's by by with the Hitler comparison, she increased attention to the fact that she was the architect of right. this totally failed Russia policy.
1: See, I'm not as mean-spirited as you, Bill. All I've been doing on my show, radio show up in New England this week, I've never criticized the president's foreign policy. I've simply asked the question, what is your favorite Barack Obama foreign policy success story? Right. Uh, I'm not no, kidding. That's all I've been doing. No, I, no,
0: it's, it's a perfectly, it's a good way you should, I should tell, uh, we should use this podcast to encourage Republican candidates around the country to say that too. I yeah. think that's right. No don't, being, don't
1: criticize, just being ask people here. to offer their favorite one and it's been the 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 silence has been deafening uh, fox news i don't know if you saw it but this week sent a camera crew out on the hillary clinton issue and asking hillary clinton supporters and democrats what is hillary clinton's what was her greatest achievement not just a achievement her greatest achievement as secretary of state and of course they show 27 people in a row without an answer
0: and, and fox had a poll i think it was out, came out late late yesterday afternoon mm-hmm. I think President Obama's approval was somewhere around 41, 42, something like that. His approval of foreign policy was something like 35, mm. I think, 55 disapproval, which is particularly striking because usually when there's a foreign policy crisis, there's a little bit of a rallying to the flag, a rallying to the president. Right. I do think it is thinking in that the world is less safe. And as you say, you can just go around the world now and just say things better or worse than they were five years ago. And so, you know, I I think it's important for Republicans and conservatives to make that point and also, of course, to articulate what they would do. We're going to be in a deep hole, unfortunately. And so, you know, it's not not that easy to know exactly what to do in all these cases. Marco Rubio gave a good speech, though, at CPAC at the Conservative Conference in Washington yesterday on foreign policy. Ted Cruz was pretty hawkish. I think the, the old kind of Reaganite consensus about American strength and leadership in the world, with some differences maybe on how far to intervene and how how long to stay places once we intervene. But the basic consensus of peace through strength and American leadership and standing with free nations and allies and being um, somewhat scary to opponents and enemies, I think that's really coming back in the Republican Party.
1: I wanted to ask you about CPAC and what you saw there. Obviously, there's still more to go. And by the way, that uh, uh, latest Fox poll, 38 percent approval, 54 percent disapproval. And among independents, it's down to around 25% approval for the president, a new low. But uh, So then you look at the people who are going to uh, stand up and take him on. How did you think Chris Christie, Marco Rubio, Rand Paul and the gang looked?
0: I actually thought they looked pretty good. I didn't see all of it. I'm, I've been on the road, but I obviously saw some clips. and. Read about it, I think the media has desperately wanted to write the story of total disarray among mm-hmm. Republicans, civil war among conservatives, bitter uh, opposition, a dist- party a party in a movement that 's destroying itself, and in fact, it is a party in a movement that has differences among itself as you 'd expect, and some competition for um, among people who want to be leaders and some competition among somewhat different visions tea party versus establishment but basically a pretty upbeat movement with a lot of impressive younger people speaking you look at cruz's speech and Christie's speech and rubio's speech and mike lee's speech just to take the four that i did see little parts of they're all what i think they're all in their forties i guess Christie's just over fifty and those are you know you look at those people and you add on the kelly Ayotte and a lot of tom cotton and a lot of other people in the party some of the candidates running for office I mean, it is, it's an impressive group, and there are some differences, but they're pretty united on the fundamentals, really. And one of those fundamentals, obviously, is uh, winning the Senate in November and then replacing the president, uh, relimiting government, having a strong America abroad. So I, I thought it was a heartening... Uh, a heartening conference,
1: really. Well, uh, Scott Walker didn't show up, so I give him one more point for that. He continues to work his way up the Michael Graham <laughs> chart of people <laughs> to like. And the other thing I'm going to say is, if CPAC ever invites Donald Trump again, oh, I'm God. going to leak word that the hotel they're at is actually historically part of Crimea so that Putin will take over and throw them out. What? I, I, why, how can they not grasp what it does to their image to rational people to invite that self-aggrandizing nut to speak i don't get it
0: yeah well a lot of these kind of conservative movements have their own incentives in terms of publicity and money and other things to sort of you know be over the edge Uh and and uh get make a splash and they care a little less about the overall effect on the conservative movement and a little more maybe just about having their conference be noticed a lot i think it's one of those things the media will obsess about but at the end of the day he's not on the ballot he's not going to be on the ballot And the candidates who are on the ballot are doing pretty well. I was really struck. I mentioned Tom Cotton a minute ago. I know you. you, I think you talked about this during the week on your on your show. Mm -hmm. The uh, incredible um, uh, uh, David Pryor comments uh, to MSNBC, of all places. Saying, well, in fact, he deserves the military. That doesn't, he doesn't, you know, I think that gives him a sense of entitlement for for the office. Very bad. You know, this is a guy who's the son of a former senator and governor who really did sort of waltz into the office uh, with a sense of entitlement. Now, for the first time, he's got a serious challenge from a guy who grew up on a farm in Arkansas and uh, made his way to Harvard and then volunteered for the military after 9 11. Uh, I think Pryor's in very, very deep trouble. And it's also just a sign of a kind of desperation that I think is beginning to to uh, permeate democratic Mm -hmm. um, conversations and cloakrooms and and even their thinking. I really have run into a couple of Democrats this week in New York, and I have struck that their brave facade of how the conservative movement is destroying itself, the Tea Party is unpopular, and Obamacare is finally going to end up being a plus, and all these things, they're kind of losing whatever faith uh, and belief they once had in those propositions. (laughs) Uh, I think it's important, obviously, to keep the pressure on, important not to be complacent. But I do think this, in retrospect, this last week or two could end up being viewed as a real moment where the, the political competition went from being you know, pretty good for Republicans, but it's still very you know, very competitive, very dicey, to really a sense of free fall among, among the Democrats.
1: But remember, if there's anyone who can screw this up, It's the National Republican Party bill. So there's always that I totally agree. I told
0: every candidate I've run into, and I haven't received a bunch in the last couple of weeks, don't listen to the consultants in Washington. Go out and talk to the voters. Keep the message simple and straightforward. You want to get rid of Obamacare. You want to get government, roll back government and address the debt. You want a strong America. Don't listen to the Republican. I agree. The the National Republican Party has an infinite capacity to blow blow good chances. But I actually think sure
1: they might not. Bill Crystal with Weekly Standard, thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. Please be sure to check WeeklyStandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.